Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And this is the Spooky Hour. It's a surprise Spooky Hour! You guys get an episode during the week. You're welcome. You're welcome. Happy Thursday. Yeah. Weird. It's almost the weekend. Gonna start your pre-Friday off very well. You're welcome. This is weird because it's actually Monday. I know. It's throwing us off. And I'm miserable. (laughs) We'll try to be happy for you guys. (laughs) That doesn't exist for us right now, but... But we just wanted to pop in and say hello. Uh, We're just dropping a shortish episode for you guys. We wanted to make up for last week's sort of missing one kind of weirdly mm-hmm. so this is episode 33 but it's 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 we small it's we small <laughs> baby shark, shark doo, 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 doo. <laughs> um but yeah i can't say how my week went but i'm gonna assume it's shit <laughs> yeah it's going pretty rough right now so. <laughs> we're off to a bad start oh um for for those of us who are of the emo persuasion, um, today Danielle and I oh, were supposed Holly, to be... don't s- even start. No, I'm miserable. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> we were supposed to be seeing My Chemical Romance tonight for the first time in seven plus years. Danielle, have you have you seen them? No, yeah, we not saw them today. Oh, no? No, I didn't So go. Danielle has never seen them. I haven't seen them in like seven years. We were very ready for it. And yep. yeah, fuck COVID. Yeah, seriously. Everyone just stay inside and let us have our fucking concerts back like it's not that hard <laughs> so if you're if you're one of us uh we're sorry we're mourning with you throw on three cheers and have a good cry and then listen to the spooky hour let's yeah. get into it shall we do you have anything shall. else you want to banter about uh no i actually have nothing i guess we'll do that it's only time. monday it's so weird yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll hear our banter next monday so for sure you will definitely hear some banter um so like i said i'm gonna try to keep it short but it was a little bit hard with this case i hope i did it justice because it's a pretty infamous case um it's one of the biggest in canadian history and it actually takes place right in our home province of ontario Uh, we don't actually say it like that i feel like (laughs) someone would believe that we say it like that we don't say it like that um (laughs) edibacoke (laughs) i can't I can't get over that. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard that joke in so long. Edibacoke. Um, Edibacoke. It does not take place in Edibacoke. That place. I wish <laughs> it did, but it doesn't. It's called Tobacco um, for anyone that really wants to know. But Yeah, what is the, the don't fuck with cats? Fuck That's with the cat. funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I simply watched it just for him to say Edibacoke. I like I heard him say it and I thought it was like a small town that I didn't know. Yeah. But then like they showed it. They like showed something that said the word Etobicoke in it. And I was like hold on and i rewound it like three times and i was like oh my god this man fucked up the word etobicoke <laughs> you know what's like great about it though he like fully thought that he was like this is the name of he it he thought he nailed it yeah I'm selling it this is great and then Edibacoke. everyone's just like lol <laughs> <laughs> oh that was great that was that you pulled that deep from my uh quarantine memory bank there you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> so today we're gonna talk about the case of christine jessup um, on October 3rd, 1984, nine-year-old Christine Jessup stopped by her home in Queensville, Ontario, which is just north of Toronto. Uh, Toronto. <laughs> she dropped her backpack off after school and headed off to play with her friends. A little while later, her mother, Janet, and her brother, Ken, came home after a dentist appointment. Uh, time crept by and Janet grew worried. It was almost dinner time and Christine was still not home. She called Christine's friend's house and her stomach sank. Christine had never arrived. Dun, dun, dun. 
Um, is that Kylo? Yeah, I was about to apologize. Kylo has decided to eat the rest of her breakfast right now because she doesn't want to She eat. waited till this exact minute. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, Janet started to panic and she called the police. Within hours, pretty much all of Queensville was out looking for Christine. Queensville is like a very small town, so news got around pretty quick mm-hmm. um, and a manhunt started immediately. Um, unfortunately, nothing was found that day, and nothing was found for three whole months. Jeez. On New Year's Eve, Christine's body was found more than 50 kilometers away from her home in Sunderland, Ontario. Uh, warning here, this is... Uh, what's the word again? Trigger. Tr- trigger warning here, this is not nice. Um, there was evidence to suggest that she was sexually assaulted and then stabbed to death. Um, because of where her body was located, Durham Regional Police took over, which, fun fact, that's my region. I don't yeah. live in Sunderland, though. <laughs> it's also my region, too. I'm still in it. Are you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I fun am. fact. Did not know that. Well, I'm, like, on the outskirts of it. Holla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the, uh, the investigation didn't really go very well at first. Uh, evidence was collected from the scenes, uh, some hairs and some DNA, but the test results didn't reveal a match. And this was 1984, so they didn't really have the, uh, that, like, database thing where it yeah. could, like, if it wasn't already someone that they had found in that area, they're, they're never going to find this. Yeah. Um, the first tip would come from Christine's own mother, Janet. She mentioned to police that their neighbor, uh, I don't know if it's Guy Paul or Guy. I'm going to go Guy because it's easier to say. <laughs> so she mentioned to police that their neighbor, Guy Paul Moran, gave her a weird, creepy vibe. Guy lived next door to the Jessups with his mother. There was nothing remarkably wrong with him, but he was somewhat antisocial, and I guess that came off as creepy and weird to Janet. Um, a DNA fe- fest. A DNA test found that the hair taken from the scene was, quote, microscopically similar to Guy's. Not an exact match, but similar. Um, FBI specialists released a profile of the suspect, and their description was eerily similar to Guy's personality. These two pieces of evidence were enough to have Guy Moran arrested for the murder of Christine Jessup. All throughout his trial in 1986, Guy maintained his innocence. The hair and some fibers found on the scene were presented as evidence to the court, along with a timeline constructed by prosecutors that gave Guy the opportunity to kidnap Christine after he got off work. So basically, the prosecutors... uh, sort of like forced a timeline in a way that guy would have no choice but to have been the suspect so the way they constructed his drive home from work and everything it was like he definitely had enough time to kidnap her after work uh even though he like uh refuted those claims so they're just Um, trying to make everything fit to him yeah pretty much Witnesses also came forward. Uh, Cellmates of Guy's swore that he confessed to the crime while in custody. And an undercover police officer told the court that he would repeat, quote, Red Rum the Innocent in his cell. Um, For those who are oblivious, Red Rum is murdered spell backwards. Um, I didn't know that. (laughs) Wait, really? Red Rum? Really? Nope. Oh, hon. I'm oblivious. What movie is that? It's in one of the movies. Holly. What movie? It's a scary movie. Uh, I feel like it's the one where you like, where's Johnny? Oh. Um, the Shining? The Shining. I think it's in that. I think. I know some things. <laughs> um, so yeah, he used to repeat that in his cell for some reason. Uh, Guy's lawyer, Clayton Ruby, alleged that the cellmates were simply unreliable. On top of that, he called in experts who disputed the forensic evidence and he insisted Guy simply did not have time to kidnap Christine because he got groceries after work. 
Uh, the cherry on top, he had specialists take the stand who revealed that Guy Moran actually had schizophrenia, which would explain his strange red rum ranting in jail. Um, they claimed that he was having an episode due to, like, the stress of being in jail. Yeah. Um, all of the evidence was fairly, fairly circumstantial and easily disproved, and the jury agreed. Guy Moran was found not guilty. Uh, the Jessup family and all of the investigators involved in the case were devastated. The man who allegedly killed an innocent young girl walked away without so much as a slap on the wrist. The Crown appealed the verdict and the Ontario Court of Appeal found fault in the trial judge's instructions to the jury. So uh, I think what that means is like the judge wasn't quite clear in the instructions when telling the jury something. So that like threw the whole case out for some one reason. One little thing. Like one little thing. One little thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. So by some miracle, a new trial was ordered. Um, the second trial was identical to the first. Same evidence, same defense, but a completely different verdict. This time, Guy Moran was found guilty of murder. Uh, both Guy and his lawyer lost their shit in the court, uh, both insisting that he was innocent still. The Jessup family, however, finally felt at peace. They had gotten their justice. Her father, Robert, was quoted in a post-court interview saying, quote, The only consolation of the whole affair is that it's finally put to rest and maybe Christine can rest in peace. Until it was Guy's turn to appeal the decision. Uh, before his appeal headed to court, a shocking new twist blew everyone involved out of the water. In 1995, DNA, DNA technology had advanced much further than the old hunk of garbage they used a decade before. I must have been in a bad mood when I wrote this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Love it. One of the samples taken from the scene was tested and did not match the DNA of Guy Moran. I don't want to get too dun. into it. Da, da, da. plot twist um i don't want to get too into it but this dna was taken from christine's underwear uh which pretty much solidly proved that this unknown suspect was the real murderer yeah um it, yeah so moran was released from kingston pen and awarded 1.25 million dollars as an oopsie we're sorry from the government oopsie um, which in today's money is probably like closer to 10 million. Yeah. Um, the Ontario government called for a giant inquiry to find out how this innocent man ended up in jail and on trial for 10 long years. There were several flaws found in the investigation and court proceedings, but most notably the evidence from Janet Jessup. She had initially told police that her and Ken arrived home at 4.10 p.m., but police later discovered that Guy Moran would have, caught, would have gotten home from work at 4.15, meaning that he could not have kidnapped Christine because Janet and Ken would have been home yeah. and Christine would not, like, she would still be there. It didn't add up, okay? Yeah, it just, <laughs> it just didn't add up. Um, police brought Janet and Ken back in and insisted that they must have been home much later in the evening and they, and they must have been mistaken on the time. Eventually, Janet and Ken agreed. They were so confused with everything going on and of course they didn't realize what time it was. In the end, they really did arrive home at 4.10 and investigators pressured them into changing this to fit the narrative they had created. Wow. So, kind of like those cases where they uh, pressure innocent uh, people into confessing to murders and stuff. Yeah. But in this one, they're just like, no, 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 you're just remembering it wrong. You guys really came home at like five. Like, yeah. Um, That's so and again, up. it wasn't like ill-intended. Like they just really wanted to help the family and just lost sight of reality a little bit, I guess. Guy Moran connected with two other wrongfully convicted men to form Innocence Canada, an organization which investigates possible wrongful convictions across Canada. Christine Jessup's killer has still not been found to this day. Um, I'm just going to throw in a theory in here because uh, I stumbled upon this in a Reddit forum and it, it 
was really shocking to me. Um, there's another big old warning here. It's a little bit grotesque what we're going to say or what I'm going to say, I guess. Uh, during court proceedings, Christine's brother, Ken, who was adopted, plot twist, uh, testified that he and two friends had been sexually assaulting Christine for years prior to her disappearance. He alleged that this started from uh, around the time she was only two years old. Police ruled Ken out as the murderer because the DNA evidence did not match, but the two friends were never investigated. I can't believe that these two what the sick fuck? fucks raped a young girl who was later found raped and murdered and they were not even looked at so just so everybody knows the justice system up here is also fucked up what the f- <laughs> that makes me so mad what the fuck he was just they're just like oh it's fine you did that but you didn't kill her so whatever they never even like yeah they didn't they didn't charge him with anything i don't know how old he was at the time but i'm pretty sure he was a child not that it makes a difference but it's just weird that they, like, were trying so hard to pin this on someone, and this kid just, like, handed him two suspects, and, and they didn't do they anything didn't do with anything. it. <laughs> They're like, no, it's the neighbor that's quiet. These two guys have a, si- a history of assaulting this girl. Let's not look into them. <laughs> Cops, I tell ya. So that is, um, just to be clear, that is not uh, an official theory of any kind. That was a hypothetical allegation that I saw on Reddit. Um, there is a direct quote from the court proceedings though where he does admit to that in a news article okay so it's it's a real story but the theory behind it is alleged allegedly but like what the fuck the court's just an absolute shit show cops are a shit oh show. yeah everything's a shit show everything's just a fucking shit show so <laughs> that's so yeah that's one up. of the, that's one of the most well-known cases in canada land uh I mean, just I didn't know about this case, and I didn't know Red Rum was murdered backwards, so here we are. Just all sorts of surprises today. Yeah. Surprise episode, surprising deal with some facts. <laughs> with some, like, pretty, like, <laughs> I just, I'm just dumb. Hi. Man, I found one, um, well, I didn't find one. Uh, Travis at work showed me. Someone showed me uh, this thing that I'm going to do, not next Monday, but the one after. Yeah. Also takes place in Ontario. Oh, shit had no idea and it's fucking mind-boggling oh god i'm not i'm not ready this for is it. this is a this is a trailer for two weeks out you guys <laughs> <laughs> so get ready that's how far away we pre-prep we're here for you we're here i'm just always looking for weird shit to talk about that's just my life i mean yeah. if i'm not currently recording then i'm googling <laughs> then i'm googling and watching murder shows that's it man yep um should we get into spookies now it's time to get spooky um so i know this is i like that (laughs) here for this kind of energy i'm trying to wake myself up (laughs) all right let's go okay so i am going to talk about another curse oh i'm gonna talk about the exorcist curse Ooh, the movie yeah the movie is cursed apparently hollywood is just filled with cursed movies it's fine it is there's a whole lot to talk about yeah so the movie The Exorcist was released on December 26, 1973. It was directed by William Friedkin and produced and written by William Blatley. So the movie is based on the book by William Blatley. It's the same name, so The Exorcist. Um, so for those who haven't seen the movie at Holly, um, <laughs> <laughs> just a little background info. Um, definitely go watch it. I know Holly probably hasn't watched it. <laughs> no, you have, I haven't. Have. Fuck, of course you haven't. I know, like, the key points, though. Like, okay. The spinning head and shit. And the, the projectile vomit. Yeah, I yeah. got it. What else okay. do I need to know? <laughs> Did What about the the creepy crawly back backwards down the stairs? Yeah, I know that one. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so this movie is about 12-year-old Reagan. Once, um, 
one night she was playing with like a Ouija board and was talking to her and I quote imaginary friend like her mom was there Mm. um she calls him Captain Howdy oh okay yeah basically she brings out a demon from this ouija board and poltergeist activity starts happening in the home reagan's demeanor changes completely she's constantly swearing being rude to guests in the home has extremely like excessive strength talks in different and unknown languages reagan is possessed by a demon this demon claims to be the devil uh reagan ends up going through an exorcism and the demon goes um from her body to um one of the priests father damon Karras, and he gets thrown or it, so it goes from his her body to his body during the exorcism mm-hmm. and he decides to sacrifice himself and throws himself out the window to like kill this demon um and then reagan lives and everything goes back to normal that's the short story of this movie the go watch end. it it's scary it's freaky it's gross and yeah let's get into so, it now i don't have to watch it though because you just explained it all yeah <laughs> it's true you're welcome <laughs> that's exactly how it goes word for word nothing more nothing less <laughs> Um, so this movie, as I said, is based on the book, The Exorcist by William Blatley, and the novel is apparently a true story. So the book and the movie are fairly similar, same characters, obviously. Um, when the book was written, the author changed the main character to Reagan. So the story is act like the real life story is about a 12 year old boy. Um, but William changed the kid's name and everything to protect this family that it actually happened to. Oh, right. So they refer to this, like, when they talk about the family, they refer to the boy's name as Roland Doe. But that's, like, a like a fake name. That's not his actual name. <laughs> like, Roland in, in cash? Like, I, Roland and Doe? Like, I that's what I thought. It's kind of like gangster Jane, suited like, him. Yeah, it's like Jane Doe. But they... Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh... So a Catholic priest at Georgetown University Hospital performed an exorcism on Roland, um, but he ended up getting, like, free from the restraints, like, during this exorcism, and he slashed one of the priest's arms with, like, a bed spring. Like, it was, oh, like, wow. Yeah. Whoa. Where, whoa. Yeah. A bed spring? Yeah. He, he managed to get one. I don't know how. So he ripped it. That's savage. Yeah. Apparently, Roland, like, lived a normal life after this, and, like, the movie, like, everything normal. I read something that he worked for NASA at one point so i was like yeah i was like that's pretty cool um so what happened to make this like this film curse like people think it's cursed um so the set was apparently riddled with a lot of mishaps so shooting for the film began in 1972 and the set that was used to film the family's home so like reagan's home Mm -hmm. um it completely burnt down after a pigeon flew into the circuit box (laughs) they shouldn't laugh (laughs) what are the odds right so everything burnt down. So the set burnt down except Reagan's room. The bedroom. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. So that's where the exorcism takes place in the movie. It's ba- like basically the whole movie surrounded in this bedroom. And that's the only place it was untouched. That's and creepy. Everything else burnt down. Yeah. Um, so this fire caused filming to be like delayed significantly. It was like six weeks or something crazy like oh, that. Wow. Yeah. Um, actor Jack McGrowan, um, he played Burke Dennings in the film he was like burke was like friends with chris and like worked with her um jack had just like finished filming the exorcist and he had flown to new york and he ended up getting influenza and died oh wow yeah he was 54 so he died yeah he died yeah very young he died during post-production so the film hadn't even been released yet um valeska malaros she played 
um, Father Damien Karras's mother in the film. She also passed away once the film was completed, apparently from natural causes. She was 89. Okay. Um, so the weird thing about these two deaths is that they both happened in um, uh, post-production. And both of these characters, like, both of these people, they played characters in the movie that died. Oh. Yeah. So those, Interesting. Th- those two characters died in that movie. And then the people who played these characters died before the film was released, which is really weird. Um, Linda Blair, she plays Reagan. Her grandfather passed away during the filming of this movie. And Max von Sodo, Swadu, Sodo, I don't know his last name, it's something. I like Swadu. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, he played uh, Father Lackenster Marin. His brother died on the very first day he started filming for the movie. Um, Jason Miller, he plays Father Damien. His son was almost killed when he was hit by a motorcycle. Wow. And that happened during filming as well. Uh, Linda, during one of the exorcism scenes in the movie, she was strapped to a harness and it's supposed to like violently like thrash her and throw her around in the scene. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the part. She's, laugh. Like, she's yeah. like flipping back and forth. Um, that like in one of those, those takes, the harness actually ended up throwing her out of the bed and co- caused like severe back injuries. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she was only 12 years old when this, this, uh, movie was being filmed. Could they not have used a dummy? <laughs> no, why would they do that? I thought it was a dummy. <laughs> no, it's not. It's actually her. Wow. Yeah. Um, Ellen Burtston, who played Reagan's mom, Chris, in one of the scenes, Ellen, like, rushes up uh, and, like, Linda, so Reagan was, like, um, like throws her back. And Ellen was, like, strapped to wires and was supposed to be, like, pulled back as, like, because, like, Reagan's supposed to, like, hit her really hard because she has superhuman strength. Um, but whoever was controlling the wires actually pulled too hard. And when Ellen landed, she ended up like fucking up her spine and gave her like a permanent spinal cord injury. And this accident that was filmed, like that whole scene where she got hurt was filmed. She let out like a really blood curling, curdling scream. They kept that in the movie. So when you see her getting thrown and she screams, that's actually her painful scream. Like that's her reaction to getting hurt. That's, that's awful. But like, From, like, the filmmaker's perspective, I could see why they would keep that. They're, They're probably, like, like brilliant. <laughs> like, we fucked up her spine, but, like, we got a great reaction. It's yeah. fine. Um, Mercedes McCambridge, she played the demonic voice of the demon who possesses Reagan. And in 1987, her son murdered his wife and children before ki- oh, wow. um, killing himself. Yep. Jesus. Yep. That's, like, terrible. Um, so apparently there have been nine people related to the production of this movie who died either during the making or the production of the film, um, or like a little bit after, but that's a lot nine deaths is still a that's lot. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, Billy Graham, he is like, he, I'm not sure if he's still around, but he was like, um, a pastor or a priest on TV. Like mm-hmm. he's not, he doesn't play one. He's just like. One of those know? televangelists. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, he said that the actual film itself is cursed and that playing it and watching it is like an invitation for demonic possession. Billy said, and I quote, there is a power of evil in the film in the fabric of the film itself. So he suggested that the film itself was actually. Oh, um, like the ring or whatever. Or kind, um, yeah. Wait, is it the ring? Yeah, it's the ring. Yeah. When you watch the movie and then you get killed. Me yeah. trying to reference movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when the film was initially released, it was banned in a lot of places. It was banned in every Middle Eastern country except Lebanon. 
the re-release of the exorcist actually got banned in lebanon so it didn't end up oh, getting wow. banned there yeah yeah so during one of the premieres of the, for the film this was this one was in rome and during it there was like a torrential downpour there was thunder there was lightning so the people going to like see it had to like rush through this downpour just to get inside to see the movie um apparently the screening was located between two churches and lightning hit one of the crosses on the church and it fell into the street that's like and it's in rome so it's creepy (laughs) i love that though that's such a like a spooky aesthetic moment <laughs> right i'm here for it here for what a it. perfect night to go see a horror movie right <laughs> there's crosses falling in the street yeah. <laughs> um a woman actually sued warner brothers because she saw the movie um she got so frightened that she passed out in the theater and broke her jaw what the fuck yeah <laughs> Like, I'd be so mad if I was, like, that, the, the <laughs> filmmakers and be like, can I sue you for being a pussy? Like, get out of here. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Me, though, trying to sue for anything. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so she sued them for, and I quote, suggesting the filmmakers used subliminal messages in the movie, which caused her accident. And she won. What? Like, they ended up settling at a court, but she did get paid. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. They probably made enough money, though, that they were like, shut up. <laughs> oh, God. They made so much money with this movie. Yeah. They probably um, just didn't care. They didn't. Movie theaters were providing puke bags to people who watched the movie. Um, apparently, in the UK, they had ambulance staff attend the screenings wow. of the movie in case people passed out. Yeah. It was like a whole thing. Like, this is what people were talking about. Um, and like, also, um, I'm pretty sure The Exorcist was one of the first movies to use the Ouija board. So when the Ouija board came out, a lot of people used it as like kind of like a fun game to play and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then when it was used in The Exorcist, people associated that with like demonic possession and like evil spirits and everything yeah. like that. And that's where it lost like like sales dropped. Like the Ouija board just kind of like disappeared at that yeah, point because people associated it with. I'm pretty sure there's like a, a, a I remember like a Ouija board where like the packaging had children on it and it was like the Ouija game yeah. or something. Yep. That's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was The Exorcist that, like, caused sales to drop in the Ouija board. And it, like, got this, like, bad rep that it That's invites hilarious. all these evil things in. Which it does if you do it, if you don't do it properly. But They're just changing markets. That attracts us. Yeah, right? But now <laughs> just it's, starting adapt. Be, it's starting to become a big thing now again. So Yeah, just adapt to your market. <laughs> right? Um, so Linda was about, oh, she was 13, not 12. I lied. Um, so she was about 13 when this movie was filmed. And once it hit theaters, she actually got like death threats and was accused of glorifying Satan by playing this movie, by playing in this movie. Yeah. They ended up hiring police to basically live at her house for a while to protect her. She was 13 and receiving death threats. That's so crazy to me. Sorry, Mignon. That's so crazy to me. Cause like. When you look at movies now, when you look at, like, even, like, music videos now. Yeah. Like, there's just as much gore and stuff in music videos now. Yeah. (laughs) She couldn't even, like, walk down the street without someone, like, yelling at her and saying that, like... Wow. Yeah. She's glorifying Satan by playing a possessed child in a movie in Hollywood. I didn't know there was that much drama around the release. Yep. Um, So, there was a lot going on with this, and I could, like, see it having a curse built behind it considering the movie is about a real life exorcism and that story actually happened so like whatever was possessing this little boy maybe is like there's some connection to it and it's i was thinking maybe it's almost like 
jealous that the movie's getting like fame and stuff and he's like i'm the real demon pay attention to me you know what i mean that's that's the vibe i'm getting and then like putting like lightning bolts on crosses and throwing them straight at people dramatic flair i like it i like this demon (laughs) we're here for it but i could also see it being like a marketing ploy so they they released the movie during a very very religious holiday time they obviously because it was released on boxing day it was christmas day. yeah boxing day yep they obviously wanted people to talk be talking about this movie and like they almost like wanted to spark controversy but yeah. i'm here for it of course i'm here for it Damn yeah for that. um so like all the hype and talk of this movie did it really good though it earned more than 441 million dollars oh wow which is Back like then too yeah i was like it's like a that's over that's over a billion dollars well think about it for every for every karen passing out breaking her jaw every karen there's a danielle and holly who say wait is that scary and then we go buy tickets for it yeah like i'll sell out the theater and just sit there by myself bring on the puke bags i'm good we used to um, see a lot of horror movies in high school. I miss that. We should do that. Wait, we can't go to the movies. Fuck. At some point. The movies are open. The oh, movies yeah. are open. Yeah. We can just have a movie we day here. It's fine. Um, but it was also the first horror movie to be nominated for Best Oscar. Or Best oh, cool. Picture Fun Oscar. Fact. Yeah, Best Picture Oscar. Yeah. Probably the last because horror movies have gone downhill. Yeah, they really have. I'm so. going to get a lot of angry horror fans. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not, someone's going to hate me, but Rob Zombie, dude, stop ruining mm. classic movies. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't love, I didn't love his Halloween. Nope, it's not good. It's not. I was really looking forward to it because I like him as like a, a, not even like a musician. I just like his like aesthetic. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this is going to be gross. And then it was just like, eh. And it was like, yeah, it's not that great. Yeah. Like, it's good if you don't like the older movies, whereas like Halloween's my all time favorite movie yeah that's my and i just, just feel like he didn't do anything up. special to it no he just made the kid a complete and utter fucking asshole <laughs> and then he wanted to punch a oh my god we should do like a whole a side channel spooky hour movie reviews oh my god i'm down for it i love I'm this here for it but yeah so that's the exorcist curse fun i didn't know that one well i knew yeah. the exorcist i didn't know it was also cursed yeah. i'm just gonna assume now any horror movie made in like the 70s and 80s probably has cursed. a curse yeah <laughs> definitely yeah that's sure. That's it. That's our wee little short episode. We hope yeah. you like it. Happy f- Thursday. <laughs> I forgot what day we're releasing this on. Happy Thursday. <laughs> Happy week. Happy week. <laughs> Whatever this week is, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, but if you want to come talk about these crazy stories, we all love good on self case. So come and hang out with us. Yes. And talk to us about it, about your theories. And if you want to talk about demons, we're here for it too. You can find us always. on always here. You can find us on Instagram at a spooky hour podcast. You can find us on Twitter at spooky hour. And if you have any crazy spooky stories that you want to share with us, you can email them into the spooky hour podcast six 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 at gmail dot com. And with that, yeah, we hope you enjoy your weekend, and we'll uh, chat. See later. you next time. See Actually, you next we'll time. see you real soon. Yeah, see we you will. Real soon. Stay spooky, you guys. Stay spooky. Bye.